Welcome back to What You Will Learn. My name is Adam Ashton. And my name is Adam Jones. Today, we're taking you through the best bits of the Total Money Makeover by David Ramsey, a proven plan for financial fitness. So last week, we talked about physical fitness, the four-hour body. This week, we're talking about financial fitness. I'd say at the start of the year, it's a good time to think about these sort of things. Uh, You probably think your, your news resolution could be to get fit or it could be to get your money in order. And you might have given up your resolution by now, so we figured uh, let's give you a kick to help you get your personal finances in order. The math of building wealth, it's not rocket science. This book is a very simple game plan for your personal finances, getting them back in order. If you're looking for a big guide to investing or some academic study or some serious portfolio management stuff, then that's a different episode. And this is for the simple stuff. Yeah, this is the basics of um, personal finance. And the basics, they're the basics for the reason. Uh, and that's because they haven't changed for centuries. Everyone knows how to make more money. You've got to earn more and spend less. But of course, too few people are doing it. Too few people are spending more than they earn. Too few people are making some basic, basic mistakes that really gets them into trouble. So this is all about simplicity and uh, a simple sort of five-step plan to getting our finances in order. Looking again at the Pareto principle, if we look at the 80-20 principle when it comes to wealth building, 20% is knowledge. So listening to this episode, reading books like this, is not really a big deal because the high leverage, heavy lifting stuff is the 80%, which is your behavior. Because knowing what to do isn't the problem, it's actually doing it. Yeah, that's it. We want to change the behavior. And big bad Dave Ramsey, he doesn't hold back. He says that if you are in a bad spot financially, if you're crippled by debt, if you've got no savings, if you don't have any money in that retirement plan, if you're going to be eating uh, dog food for the rest of your life, that's his words, then he says it's your fault and that's Mm. pretty rough but it's pretty true and that you've got yourself into this situation so it is completely your fault. You can't blame the government, you can't blame your parents, you can't blame your partner, it's 100% on you and so whilst that sounds a bit harsh, it's actually pretty liberating as well because that means you've dug yourself into the hole, you've got to get yourself out. So it's all on you, you're not looking to any third party. If you want to fix it, you've got the power to fix it. A long time ago, David Ramsey, he let his body dissolve into a big fatso in uh, an Australian version of his words. But he worked so hard for his day job for so many years, he just got rid of his physical condition and it just went went to shit, the whole thing. So the first step in getting to shape for him was actually realizing the destination that he'd arrived at, which wasn't good. But the second step is identifying the obstacles to getting where he wants to go. It's like we spoke about last week in the four-hour body, the Harajuku moment. The first thing is becoming conscious of where you're at. And uh, it's a nice little, I guess, metaphor or analogy. If you're out of shape physically or if you're out of shape financially, the first and most important thing you need to do is realize the position you're in. Have that moment of thinking, oh, fuck, I'm in a hole here. I need to get myself out. The mirror is extremely powerful. Uh, a book we'll be doing at some stage, David Goggins, Can't Hurt Me. This is one of the first, I think it is the first challenge in the book. It's actually just... Get out in front of the mirror and just take a good hard look at yourself. And if you see some things that you're not happy with, um, and then that is the moment you can change and you just feel that pain in the moment and move on because becoming conscious of the things that you don't like is the first step to positive change. Yeah, and the the mirror and the mind can play tricks. Uh, physically, if you look in the mirror, you suck up the gut, you get some good posture, put the shoulders back, take, get the right angle, get the right lighting. You might think, I'm not I'm not that fat, I'm just a little bit flabby. You need to be brutally honest with yourself. No, mate, you're a bit fat, you need to work on it. And similarly, with that metaphorical mirror that you need to look in for your personal finances, you can't just think, oh, I'm a little bit behind, oh, I'm just struggling to pay rent, but I'll, I'll be okay, I'll be able to scrounge something together. You've got to realize, no, you're in a hole. See yourself with ruthless honesty and realize what position you're in at the moment. 
it's a little bit harder when it comes to your finances compared to weight because when you're physically fat, you're putting on the kgs and you realize the belt buckles aren't working and eventually <laughs> you get to buy a whole entire new belt. And you can stay in denial if you really force it for a little while, but eventually <laughs> you're going to think, all right, shit, there's you know, three sizes uh, above what I used to be. But when it comes to finances, you can convince everyone that you're just killing it. Anyone can get a loan and buy a $40,000 car to rock up to the family get-together or your, your mate's birthday, and you'll get compliments and people think mm. you are uh, killing it. But deep down, you're actually very financially flabby. And that's one of the biggest problems really is that social side of it uh, and everyone putting on the front that they're killing it. That if you're trying to keep up with the Joneses, keeping up with the Joneses, uh, then uh, you might be looking around and thinking, oh, old Jonesy down the road, oh, they just bought a new car. I probably deserve a new car myself. I've been working hard too. And of course, you don't realize that Jonesy down the road, he actually took out a you know big loan and took a second mortgage on his house to get that car. Uh, but you just think, oh, well, if he's got it, I can do it too. You go and get a car loan, get a credit card, get a second mortgage, whatever it is. You rationalize that you've deserved this, you've earned this. So you might think on the surface, you're killing it, but deep down, you've really dug yourself into a hole. Really interesting. He says you'll find most millionaires don't live like the Joneses, which is a bit ironic and it goes uh, uh, a bit against what you might think because the typical one just lives in a middle-class home, drives a two-year-old or older paid-for-car, buys blue jeans at Walmart, living in a kind of humble way and is not out there to spending all cash just to impress people. So for you making those decisions to live like the millionaire in a very humble way, you're going to have a bit of resistance from the heart, which is very real because there's something going to be pulling you towards those nice houses and nice cars to... I guess, signal status to certain people. But according to David, we all got to have a good hard think about the certain things that we're doing with money just to impress others because this is going to be one of the major hurdles to becoming financially free. You might think that everything's going to be fine down the track. You might think that when you retire, everything will be okay. You haven't saved anything yet, but you know, future Adam, they'll work it out. They'll be able to save or they'll get some money from the government. But the truth is, the cavalry isn't coming. The sooner you start, the better off you're going to be at the end. The stats here of Americans, which could probably be extended to a lot of the world, I think, uh, 54% of them who reach retirement age just have to keep on working because they haven't saved enough. So I'd say 95% of people think they're not in that 54%. <laughs> so yeah. you could have a long, hard think about that. You're probably in that portion. So to not be part of that 50-50 chance, you need to start thinking early. Probably the biggest myth of all when it comes to money is saying that uh, I know what I'm doing when it comes to money. But the truth is nobody's born financially smart. It's not something that was innate that uh, your mother passed on to you at birth. It's something you need to learn. And the problem is most people don't learn. It's not really taught in schools. It's not really taught effectively. And most people fall into the all too common traps. So what we need to do from here now that we've taken a good hard look at our finances in the mirror is there's a simple five steps to get us out of the hole that we're in and get us financially fit. Let's say it's dinner time and an elephant just strolls into your living room and uh, God comes down and tells you, you got to go and eat this elephant. So you got a bit of a pickle on your hands. It's obviously a huge meal. So how are you going to go about it? One way of doing it is you just get your knife and fork out and you thought, all right, I'm just going to just nail this tonight. I'm just going to get the job done. I'm going to wake up tomorrow and everything's going to be hunky-dory. Obviously, something like that is not going to work. So the way you eat an elephant is you don't just go at it once, you eat one bite at a time and you do it with baby steps over a longer period. 
it's pretty unlikely that you're going to have to eat an elephant, but you might have an elephant-sized uh, personal finance problem. And really, the only way to fix that is just uh, one bite at a time, one step at a time. You can't try to do everything overnight. There's going to be a bit of effort, but you just got to tackle these things one by one. And we're starting with a baby step. For some people, no doubt, it's probably a bit more than a baby step, and that is to save a 1000 bucks. Yeah, Ramsey says, look, it's going to rain, so you're going to need an umbrella. This 1000 bucks is your umbrella. Whenever that rainy day comes along, it could be anything. It could be you get crook and you've got to take a week off work. It could be your car, you know, the radiator blows up and you've got to pay 450 bucks to get it fixed. Uh, it could be that you've got to go and look after a sick sibling for a week or whatever it is. There's going to be some kind of rain coming. This little $1,000 buffer is going to be your umbrella to get you through those rainy days. Yeah, because every now and then something will just come out of nowhere and if you don't have this thousand bucks sitting there the way you're going to get it is by a credit card or a payday loan or Mm. something like that which is going to be putting us in the wrong direction now an important note on this uh this emergency fund is that it is just for emergencies uh you could quite easily tell yourself that i've got to go on a holiday that's a bit of an emergency i'm feeling pretty stressed brother's bucks coming (laughs) up in a few weeks our show brother's bucks coming up that's an emergency i should dip into the thousand bucks you might think uh you know my uh i need to buy a new car that's an emergency you might think oh it's the middle of november i've got to buy christmas presents that's an emergency those are all very bullshit emergencies we're talking about the hardcore emergencies only things that are you know like life and death or things that you need to go through uh you know you need to get your car fixed for work that's one thing buying Mm. a new car that's totally different so we're talking about the hardcore emergencies only if it's not an emergency just don't even touch it pretend it doesn't exist so we need to do whatever we can to find this thousand dollars you might need a twist and just ring your budget you might have to say no to a whole bunch of meals out beers with your friends at the pubs all that kind of thing just a stash away with this cash you might just get your chair out that looks pretty good you sell it on marketplace there's 20 bucks <laughs> that laptop and or ipad just been sitting there for a while anything you can just find a way to get that grand yeah you want to do that as quickly as possible this is meant to be a short term this is a baby step this is the very first thing we're not saying don't drink coffees for a whole year to save a thousand bucks we're saying within a, a month or less get this thousand bucks and if you have gone through your budget and there's no spare dollar and there, you look around your house there's nothing you could possibly sell then you might have to do something a bit more drastic maybe it's you know you take on a part-time job maybe you drive uber maybe you deliver pizzas maybe you work at the cafe uh it's going to be painful but you need to do that very first thing. It's only short term to get that thousand buck rainy day tucked away. Let's look at the average American. And I think, again, we can extrapolate this to whatever country you're in. Uh, But let's just take the average American, say on a $50,000 salary each year, uh, they've also got... Uh, on average, an $850 monthly mortgage repayment, a $495 monthly car repayment, $180 a month on the second car, $165 a month on the student loan. There's an average credit card debt of 12 k which is about another $185 a month, not to mention the other debts like furniture deals, personal loans, the afterpay, the lay-by, all those things add up to an average of $120 a month. So putting these all together, we're looking at $1,995 per month on average in debt repayments. Ooh. Jesus, if you just put that away in uh, the positive column rather than the negative column, it says you'll be a cash millionaire in 15 years. Yeah. If you save two grand a month, every single month at the average uh, rates, 15 years and you're a millionaire. And five years after that, you're two mil. So we're talking in 20 years time, job done really, finance wise, you can retire pretty pretty well there and uh, live a 
quite a wealthy life. Yeah. He said, in fact, after 26 years, he got five and a half mil in cash savings just by getting rid of that debt and saving it instead. Uh, and that's just the average. So step one was save a thousand bucks. Step two now is going to be quite an obvious one, get, the, get rid of that debt. So there's been a lot of debt myths that have been out there that are putting us really in the wrong direction. He says, if you've been told a lie often enough, loudly enough, long enough, the myth eventually, it's going to soon, sooner or later be just accepted as fact. And debt is one of these lies that have been sold to us aggressively and so loudly and so often that it's very hard to imagine living a life without the use of debt. There's a whole bunch of debt myths. One big one is that debt is a tool and should be used to create prosperity. And you might think, you know, it takes money to get money. I don't have money, so I'm going to borrow money to invest and make more money. And you think that debt is what all the big dogs use to make their big investments, so you're going to be one of them too. But the truth is that debt adds a huge amount of risk and uh, wealthy people don't get wealthy because they took on debt. It's something that they might do afterwards after they're already wealthy, but it's definitely not the vehicle they use to get wealthy. And in fact, in one study of all wealthy people, there was only one thing they had in common. They spent less than they earned and they only made these big expensive purchases once they'd saved the cash. They didn't borrow money to get it. Another big myth, which is all too common, is the car payments are just a way of life. You're always going to have one and it's necessary to just get the car you need to drive yourself and the family around and everything like that. But the truth is you should be staying away from car payments and drive a reliably used car just as the average millionaire does, as we said at the start. And that is how they actually become the millionaire. Because let's look at the average car payment, which is $495 over 64 months. As soon as it's paid off, you're probably just going to upgrade it and get another loan for another car. But if instead you saved $495 in the cookie jar for 10 months, you buy the car outright, Mm. then again, you put more money in the cookie jar. So you're not using debt as your vehicle here whatsoever. In 30 months, you can have $15,000 on a car and you're not putting any money Mm. in the toilet, which is interest. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And you might think it's a it's a good investment to lease a car or pay it off with debt because at the end you've got this you know this brand new car and you've paid it off but really you've, the car's lost like 60% of its value over the life of that loan so you're really just in a bigger hole uh, another big myth is that if you can get one of these debt consolidation deals it's actually a really smart move because it's going to save you heaps of interest and uh, whilst that's true instead of as we you know rattle off those eight different payments at the start if you just put it all into one on a lower interest yes you are going to save interest the problem there though is that debt consolidation is pretty dangerous because you're not actually treating the cause you're just treating the symptom so rather than thinking how did I get myself into this much debt and how can I get myself out of it you're just thinking here I'll just put a band-aid over the top so if we're going to smack the cause it's not going to be rocket science The step here, step number two is pay off all your debts. These monthly repayments are coming from the decisions you've made in the past and you're still paying for them. Mm. You can't help that. But if you stop all these monthly payments, you can turn your attention toward your future and putting money toward it somewhat of an asset column. So the method here is quite simple. You need to get all of your debts into one place. Uh, If you're a computer wizard, then whip out the Excel or Google Sheet spreadsheet. If you're not that way inclined, a simple pen and paper will do, just a little column. What you need to list out is all of the debts that you have. Uh, You need to list out the amount of debt that's owing and you need to list the monthly repayments. So you've got to write down everything here. We're talking car loan, personal loan, credit card, tax bill, uh, the bed that you bought on those 60-month interest-free repayments, the loan you got from your dad, the dinner you bought your mates that you've got to pay them back, the student loans and medical bills. Any single debt that is hanging over your head, write it down on that piece of paper. 
The only thing that we don't put on this list is uh, is the the home loan. If you've got if you've got the mortgage, uh, put every debt except for the mortgage here, and the mortgage we're going to tackle later in step five. Next, what you need to do is just snowball it. Look at the smallest one and pay that one off first. It might be counterintuitive. You might think the one with the highest interest is the one to do, but we're going to be tapping into psychology because that's extremely important on the mission to financial freedom. So by picking the smallest one, you're building momentum as you go forward. So what we're doing now is every month we pay the minimum on each one and then any single dollar that is left over, you put that all towards the lowest number of debt. So you might start off in the first month, you owe your mate 50 bucks. So you pay off 50 bucks to your mate as well as the minimum monthly repayments on all the others. Then the next month, you've got to spare 50 bucks. That one's knocked off. So you put the minimum on everything plus the additional 50 bucks now goes on to that $350 afterpay you racked up from the Black Friday sales and you start targeting the next smallest one and knocking them off one by one. So this might seem really difficult. You're staring at this big financial elephant that's standing in your living room and you're obviously going to need some kind of budget. So every month, you should budget every single dollar that's going out because that's a dollar that could be going towards this snowball that you're trying to put together. So bills, rent, food, utilities, debt repayments, everything should be accounted for. And then you should look at all the fluff in the budget. Mm -hmm. It's probably a few things you're doing to impress us (laughs) Joneses that are absolutely killing it. So look for those things and cut that out and dedicate more money to this debt snowball. Yeah, that's it. Uh, and as you mentioned about the psychology side of things, this is like a, a bit of behavior modification here because you get a few quick wins early. You might think, oh, I've got, the, uh, I've got that $20,000 car loan hanging over my head. I've got to pay that off first because that's the biggest, most painful one. But really, by starting with the smallest, you get to cross one off the list entirely. Imagine you get the big red pen out, cross all the way through once it's paid off. That's a nice, real good feeling there. Uh, and then the next month, because you're adding more and more money, Uh, to the next smallest, you get to cross that one off as well. Each time you cross it off, it feels really good and you're going to keep working towards a goal as opposed to thinking, oh yeah, I'll put an extra extra 10 bucks on the $20,000 car loan. It doesn't really make any difference. If you really get that snowball moving, it might take you 18, 20 months, uh, three years even to just pay down all the the debts you uh, accumulated through silly decisions in your past. And this is when we can move into step three, which is finishing the emergency fund. Yeah, that snowball starts as a little one, but just like the snowball that builds up momentum each time, every roll that picks up a bit more money, you get to the avalanche at the end. Eventually, you've knocked off that entire amount of debt and you can start looking to the next thing. And what we're going to do here is fill up that emergency fund again. So in step one, we had a thousand bucks sitting there just for the rainy day. Now in step three, now that our debt is paid off, we're going to look at bumping that up to be a true emergency fund. Yeah, uh, Ramsey, he doesn't call it this, but I think it's a bit of FU money as well (laughs) because what we're going to have here is three to six months of living expenses just sitting there in the bank account. And this gives you real financial freedom, I think, because you could just, you got a lot of opportunities and and freedom and you're not just making decisions based on urgency that comes with money. So I think if you get to this step, uh, you can take a real big breath of fresh air Mm. because in a way, You've made it and you're living a different life compared to what you were under the debt traps. Yeah, exactly. If you, uh, Depending on the size of your family and however many dependents you've got to feed, how many mouths you've got to feed, 
uh, if we're talking about six months of living expenses, it's probably somewhere around 20, 25K. And once you get to that point, we're talking about the real emergencies and as you say, the real freedom. When you got a thousand bucks sitting there, that's just for the, the small hiccups in the road and you use that thousand bucks to so that you don't stop paying off your debts. This, we're talking about the real, either big emergencies or big decisions. And it could be an emergency such as you, you break your leg and you're out of work for three months or it could be an emergency that your boss is a real dick and you think, I've got to get out of here and you've got three months now to find yourself a new job. Yeah, it's powerful. I think uh, a lot of people, if they want to tell the boss the FU, then this is the <laughs> way to do it. Now, we've got this avalanche here. The snowball started off pretty small with that thousand bucks, rolled and rolled and rolled, hit step three, which we've got 25K or whatever the three to six months is sitting in the bank. Now, step four is pointing all this energy towards maximizing retirement savings. Yeah, there was a survey of uh, Americans again, we just, we'll keep running with them, that uh, 40% of Americans say that the only way for them to ever get to half a million dollars by retirement age is to win the lotto. So we're talking almost half the people say there's pretty much no chance they can get half a mil. 56% of Americans, they've got less than 25,000 bucks saved for retirement. Oof. Now, I don't know what your lifestyle is going to be looking like, but uh, for 25K over 25 years, uh, you're going to be eating pretty lean and mean sort of pretty pretty gross sort of stuff, I reckon. So what we need to do here is really bump our retirement savings up to a point where we can live a comfortable retirement with dignity. So we want to be putting away about 15% of our before tax gross annual income towards retirement. So it is tax protected in some countries. Uh, for, for Australia, for example, your highest tax bracket's 45%, but you're bringing that down to just 15% if you're just putting money into your super, which is your 401k in the US or your IRA in, is that, I don't know. <laughs> I think that's a gang in Ireland, isn't it? <laughs> anyway, some acronym. <laughs> so if you do it early enough, you can really retire comfortably, even if you're on a modest salary right now. Yeah. So if uh, if you look at that, fifty six fifty six percent of people have got less than twenty five grand saved. If you are able to start this early, and that you've you've saved your thousand bucks, you've paid off your debt, you've saved up your emergency fund, and now you're looking at saving for retirement, uh, from the just the average salary, if you're putting away this average salary for 40 years, so from age 30 to age 70, we're talking only 625 bucks per month. Over 40 years, that compounds to $7.5 million. Now, that's a pretty serious retirement fund. Mm. Pretty nice nest egg right there. And of course, that's just on the average salary over 40 years. If you're a little bit older than 30 already and you still haven't paid off your debts, it's definitely not too late to start because the sooner you start, the sooner you can take advantage of compounding interest. Mate, before we move on to step five, something we might want to point out if uh, some of the listeners are asking themselves Have I heard this, this question. <laughs> Have I heard this before? Just like we when we've read it. But uh, if you're looking for the clue, Dave Ramsey, I'll give you the answer. Dave Ramsey actually wrote this book before Scott Pape, the Barefoot I'd say about Investor. 15 years before as well. <laughs> so Scotty Pape, he, uh, <laughs> you could say he repackaged his content and did quite well from it. So he's in Australia. If you're based in a different country other than the US or Australia, repackage this content for your own country and you're going to sell millions of copies. Job done. If you're running a marathon, the part where it gets hard is around the 18-mile mark. This is where all of you going to start to look up and start to imagine when is this finish line coming. That's when your muscles start to get sore, your mind starts to play tricks on you. It might start to say, oh, you've come this far. It's a pretty good effort. It's okay. You can stop now. You're almost through the race, but no part of your mind or body wants to actually finish. And at this point on our financial journey with this analogy is the point where you're looking to pay off your mortgage. 
Because the biggest risk here is that you go on this never-ending cycle where you just take more and more debt and you actually never pay off your home loan and you're always a slave to the bank in some way. It's a case where you buy your first house, equity rises, you pay it off, use that to trade up, borrow more money to buy a better house in a better suburb with flashier neighbors and flashier cars and everything like that and it just never ends. So up till this point, we've gone through step one, we saved a thousand bucks. We went through step two, we paid off all of our debts except for our mortgage. Step three was to build that emergency fund up to six months of expenses. Step four was to save for retirement. Now we're at the the big stage, which is step five, and that's paying off our mortgage. And imagine what it would be like if you had no more obligations, so no more monthly payments at all, not even the house, in that every single dollar you make after tax is yours to spend. You don't have to send any to the bank. You don't have to pay off the car. You don't have to pay off the house. All that is left is to use that money however you like to use it. So according to Ramsey, we should be going for a 15-year mortgage, not a 30-year one. So that probably means you're going to be living something a lot more humble for that whole time you're in it. Yeah, it's, uh, most people obviously just go for the default. You buy a house, you get a 30-year mortgage. Uh, but Ramsey says that's a bloody long time to be uh, in debt to a bank. He says that the only people that should be getting 30-year mortgages are those sadistic type of people that enjoy the pain and the punishment of doubling the amount of time that they're a slave to the bank. So he says, uh, don't fall into the common trap of, oh, I'll get, a, I'll get a 30-year mortgage just in case, but I'll work hard and I'll pay it off in 15. He mm. says no one ever does that. The only way to pay it off in 15 is get a 15-year mortgage. Yeah, if you do really quick math, I'm quite surprised by this math. If you take out a 250 grand mortgage at 7% interest, obviously these numbers might be a bit dated in some countries, <laughs> but uh, for the 30-year mortgage, you're paying 1349 a month. For the 15-year mortgage, you're paying 1899 a month. That's not twice as much a month. That's not a huge difference, but you're yeah. paying it off in twice as quick because after interest, it's all going to the principal. Yeah, that's it. So you are paying an extra 550 per month and you're going to have to find that somewhere in your budget. But if you look at it over the life of the loan, over the life of the loan, over 30 years, your 250K mortgage, you ended up paying 485K to the bank. So you almost paid twice as much uh, of your loan as interest. But if you look at the 15-year mortgage, you only had to pay back 341K. So from that extra 550 bucks a month that you paid off, you've saved yourself 140 grand in interest repayments. Now, that's just in interest payments. You've got to then think, okay, well, you paid it off 15 years earlier. So then you've also got 15 additional years where you could be saving instead of paying off your house. Mate, I know uh, you might be looking at the moment, are you sold on this? Are you going to change your mind and go to the 15 years? I mean, the, all the, uh, the budgeting and the maths have been based on a 30-year mortgage. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if there's enough room to go down to 15. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> off your hard sell it's well. <laughs> it's good in theory. Uh, and if you really want to take this shit seriously, I'd say 15 years is the way to go. Just look at those numbers. Not only did you save uh, 140K, uh, you've also saved yourself 15 years. Mate, you got to stop trying to keep up with the Joneses. <laughs> <laughs> So we've put this snowball together, created an avalanche, you got a whole lot of shit done, but sooner or later, you need to step off this treadmill and start enjoying the fruits of your labor. Ramsey says that the whole point of this uh, was the, the big Dave Ramsey motto, uh, live like no one else so that you can live like no one else. So he's saying that for this uh, this whole journey that we've been on here, this 10 or 15 year journey, 
where we've saved, we've paid off debts, we've saved even more, we've saved for retirement, we've paid off our house. Uh, it was probably going to be pretty tough over those 15 years in the sense that you weren't getting the, the fancy watch, you weren't going on the big round-the-world holidays, uh, you were budgeting, you were saving, and you were probably depriving yourself of a couple of things, but that's living like no one else because most people are just falling victim to social pressures and trying to impress people. But now, because we live like no one else, now we can live like no one else. Mm. So, he's saying that now, the debt's off the back, you own the house. Every dollar that you make is yours. So now you can go and have some fun. Now yeah. go and buy that 30 grand watch, go and drive that new 200 grand Tesla, go on that round the world holiday, do a couple of laps of the world mm. if you want. Yeah, you can impress all those people <laughs> that whole time who probably look down on you whilst they borrowed their money. Um, at this stage, they're probably gone the other way and you're just rocking up and uh, you're the one who's taken back that social status that you really turned your back on for so long. Yeah, if you think of it, if they were if they were going early in terms of getting the car loan and getting the fancy house, they're still in a big, big hole of debt. Whereas you battled yourself through a decade, a decade and a half, but now you can really turn on those afterburners and really show them what real money is. 